What's up, everybody? And welcome back to Mommy Confessions. <laughs> if you've never watched it before, hello. How you doing? Thank you so much for being a part. This is a live show slash web, uh, I guess, web show slash podcast that I, <laughs> that chick angel, do every Thursday. And if you're a member of my Patreon, you're seeing it live a whole day in advance. Mommy Confessions is just a raw, honest hopefully inspirational show about all things motherhood and womanhood. And sometimes we have dads on here. Well, today I have a very, very special guest. She's so special that if it wasn't for her, the show would not exist because I wouldn't exist. So I would like to everyone, uh, everyone listening, and I would love you all to meet my mother, Miss Dorothy Maymore. Hi, mommy. Hi. Um, so my mother who actually lives with me is, uh, got kind of stuck in Kentucky visiting two of my sisters because they both had some major things happening in their life. Granted, some of that stuff got canceled, but then other major stuff happened, happened. But, um, during this pandemic, me and my husband and my sisters out there thought it would be safer if my mom stayed put in Kentucky until COVID-19 comes to a little bit of a halt because we'd rather her safe and alive than to be sick in here. <laughs> so, Mom, how have you been doing? Hi, Angel. I have been doing wonderful. Been enjoying a lot of physical rest. Mm -hmm. And I'm also missing all four of my boys that I really asked God for to come out of your womb. So, I'm, other than that, I'm doing really great catching up on a lot of stuff that maybe I couldn't catch up on or didn't catch up on because I allowed myself to be so busy with my four little boys. Okay. So I'm doing great, Angel. Good, good, good. So for those of you all who haven't seen this show or you haven't seen it in a while, y'all know we start every episode off with a confession. That's right. We are going to tell something that is 100% true <laughs> that we have either been feeling, dealing with, and I will start. And this is actually a confession I had just made. And um, I do Facebook Lives every morning. And I was telling the people of Facebook, I was like, you guys, I am getting to the point of overwhelmness. <laughs> like, what is going on in my life? Like, thank God that my view that you all have right now is blocking the sofa because the sofa is covered in clothes. And I was doing good at the beginning of this um, quarantine. <laughs> I was getting clothes put up, getting everything folded. I got my kitchen clean. My kitchen is a wreck again. Clothes are <laughs> back on the couch. I was like, Ugh. but, um, and some of that is, is that I'm taking on more content uh, because, you know, this is the best time to do it before because I was ripping and running with the kids, had auditions, I had book jobs, praise God. Being able to just focus on creating content was not something that I was able to do. And I still can't just focus on creating content. Like, I still got to <laughs> teach these kids. Still got to make sure little Marcus is doing his work. But um, I had to literally, during the live, press through. And I thought that like even getting this Zoom up and streaming to YouTube, I was like, how do you get this done? But I, <laughs> I did not give up. I could have, but I didn't. Yay. So, Yay. While I'm overwhelmed, I'm not defeated. And uh, I just know that eventually, hopefully, prayerfully, this load will be lightened, not because I'm no longer able to do it, but because I'm able to afford someone else to do some of this for me. Amen. And amen. Amen. So, uh, amen. <laughs> yes. What is your confession? 
Well, my confession is based on the fact that I never been able to relax like I'm relaxing now. And I kind of like it. I didn't think I would enjoy not being busy. You know, I have to do something. But since I've been forced into this quarantine, quarantine, quarantine. I have, is quarantine, okay. Cool. You know that's I mean. all right. You said how you okay. want to say it. Go ahead. <laughs> that's right. But you know what I mean, right? Yes, I know um, what you mean. Anyway, I, so I, I confess that I am really liking it, liking it more than I thought I would because I am a super grandma, super mom, and my, they cut my wings. Mm. So I can't fly around and do everything and be everything to everybody. So I'm kind of enjoying that. Uh-huh. Uh, that's your confession you enjoy. My confession is that I'm enjoying not being able to do as much as I used to attempt and do. Yes. Okay, that's good. You, you're getting a chance to sit down. Yes. No, no, no. You've had opportunities to sit down. You're being forced. That's more yeah. of the correct version. Yeah. Yes. You, you're being forced to sit down, which is good. Sometimes it does have to happen by force. And luckily it didn't happen by force by you being sick or anything. It's just Hallelujah. by force yes. in order for you not to get sick. Sit down. Ain't nothing Hallelujah. wrong with it. That is Ain't nothing wrong with it. Yay. <laughs> and so my mother has been on Mommy Confessions, I want to say three times already. So this is her fourth appearance on Mommy Confessions. And one thing that we've never done on uh, Mommy Confessions is truly just interview Dorothy. And what I mean by that is usually I have a topic <laughs> and then I get your spin yes. on the topic, whether it mm -hmm. be, you know, how, what, like motherhood regrets or legacy or building independent women or raising independent women, I should say. So now I'm going to give people more of insight on who you are as a person, because a lot of people, oh my. they get, they, um, they think they know you, but they have no idea. They, um, <laughs> I think that oh, is one, of the, one of the Instagram lives that you did with me, you had people rolling. They didn't realize um, how funny you are. Um, now, I'll give this one caveat. Just like with okay. any show, I'll give, I'm giving the audience this, this one little yes. insight. Mm -hmm. that Go ahead. My mother will put on a little bit for the camera. She's giving <laughs> you a little bit. Look, yeah, she's giving you a little bit extra. She's giving you... More than what she really got soon, but that's just <laughs> a part of who she is, well, and I yes. accept that. So, um, just know you get a little bit of you, it's like, um, you know, how they charge extra for guacamole. Mama's giving you the guacamole for free right now, you, you're not getting bare bones, Dorothy, <laughs> at all. So, um, oh. let's start off with like, where are you from? Where were you born, and what was it like? what was it like where you grew up at? And this is, I mean, before we'll eventually get to the story of when you moved to Baltimore, but tell them the prequel, your origin story, where are you from? Like, where did you grow up? When were you born? Oh. Okay. I was born June 13th, 1950 in Macon, North Carolina. The area was known as Bigwood, North Carolina. I was born there and I was, as far as I can recall, I stayed there till I was five. Mm -hmm. And that's where I was born there to my mother. But I was born at home. We had a midwife, which the midwife probably was my grandmother. And, you know, my mother was there and they did the best they knew how to bring me forth. And 
Mm-hmm. I'm still here. So <laughs> that's where I was born at. And um, you are, tell them how many siblings, where you fall at in the whole. Okay. I have to... one brother. My, I have one older brother. He's I was going to say, you got more than one brother. <laughs> yes, you yeah, got one got, older brother. Well, it's, it's a total of eight kids born to my mom. Mm-hmm. And of that, I'm number two daughter, but a, number, a second child. My mm-hmm. brother's two years older than me, and everybody else is younger than I am. I have three brothers, and I had a total of four sisters. One sister passed in 74. Okay. And what, how would you describe, like, where you all were? Like, give them, like, day-to-day activity so they can really understand. Like, you say what? the country. You say the back foods. <laughs> yeah. Give them, like, a little more insight of, like, where you grew up and what y'all were doing? Well, I, I'm truly a country girl. I'm talking about the real country because we had no running water. We had no furnace or thermostat to turn up the heat. All we had, um, we, we cut wood for the fire. We cut wood for the stove. If we took a bath once a week or maybe once every other week, depending on how dirty you got. But mm-hmm. the thing about you had to draw the water you have to draw the water and heat it up in, in order to take a bath. But, you know, one thing I can say about being born in the country, we didn't waste a lot. And you always tried to be the first one in the tub because if not, you would be the last one in the tub. <laughs> we didn't change the water. We added more hot water into the tub, but we never emptied the tub out, washed it out with Ajax or Comet or anything. We didn't have any of that. We just basically did what conservative country people did. We did take a bath, but normally the sad thing is adults probably always went, they always went first. Oh, so, so you, you never have, got to have the first bath. Oh, no, no. It's child, never. Uh, kids didn't have a say. Kids were seen and not heard. And so sometimes if you got there before your older siblings, before the baby, you could get in and not be the 10th person in the water, maybe the fifth. But again... Uh-huh. When you don't know any better, when you don't know that there's water that runs out of a semen like the wall, you, you live with it. I was, I was a happy kid. I was happy to play in that water. I didn't know that it was probably dirty and had bacteria, and it was fine. I, I smelled better than I did when I went in, so I was good. So how many, because it wasn't just the eight of you all, so it wasn't just the eight siblings and your grand, grandparents you got to paint the picture a little bit. Yes. Okay. It was seven because one, one of my, my siblings was never in North Carolina. My baby sister, Wendy, right. from 13 right. years, 13 days, she never lived there. But it was seven of us. And then I had four cousins there. And I had an aunt. So we got, let's count that, seven, 11, an aunt, that's 12, 12 grandfather, that's 13, 13, and a grandmother, that's 14. So it's 14 of us. At one time, it was 16 of us totally, because when my aunt started pushing out babies, it was more of us. But the rule was the same. It's bath night, and we just took a bath. And again, the adults went first, I think, because they knew that they didn't want to bathe in dirty water. Mm -hmm. Of course. Kids kids only know what you teach them. I was not like your kind. I didn't think about it. If they mm-hmm. said get in the water, you got in the water. You got in the water. It wasn't and, not, yes. Now, how big, get them to also understand, like, how big was the house that all 14 of you all lived in? Okay, and I do want to say that the tub was a number three tub, because you have tubs, they have numbers. Number one tub is smaller, number two tub is larger than a number one, and number three tub is kind of a big tub. But, mm-hmm. you know, whatever we had to do. 
but the house was a three-room house, praise God. Three mm. rooms with an attic. And one of those rooms was the kitchen. So you got <laughs> living room, a room, a kitchen, and the refrigerator was in the second room. So you had the refrigerator. The refrigerator wasn't in the kitchen? Oh, no. Get in the kitchen. <laughs> it probably was an add-on. Because the kitchen, you know, you can see it from our house. I guess y'all call it crawl space now, but we just <laughs> set it up on top of some stones. And you could see outside without going outside. I mean, we just had logs. Logs were wrapped together with rope. Uh, and then when it went a time, those holes, we would take and put some stuff in them to keep the air from coming right into us. Mm-hmm. And then in the summertime, we would pull it out so the air could get to us because we didn't have the thermostat for the air condition. Okay. If God didn't send some air by, we didn't get it. <laughs> but so there was three rooms. So the girls slept up in the law and the boys slept in the second room with the refrigerator. Okay. So, and then the, also the canning goods that we canned was up in a loft with the girls. So all the girls were upstairs. All the boys was downstairs. Okay. And so that's why I like a large house now, because I think I just got so tired of having foot, elbow, bodies on me. Right. We all had one bed. But you know something? I think that they ought to market this because we had a mattress was made out of hay. So y'all made it wasn't, mattress you know, out of hay. Did y'all make it or did, but did y'all buy it? We only bought sugar and flour. Everything else we made. <laughs> so so my grandma got hay. Yes. Yeah, we put she was stuffing with hay. And something, you know, and it takes a while to get hay to conform to your body. You know, it's not not like a sleep number bed. <laughs> right. See, a sleep number bed, you just push a button. No, you had to keep moving it. If it stuck you, if it's kind of stuck in you, you move over and try to keep working that out till that branch folded down so it wouldn't stick you no more. Uh-huh. And um, so, but, but, but that was, uh, you know, we slept and then if not, you could sleep on the floor, make me a pallet on the floor and sleep. Get, get your brother. <laughs> Sorry for the <laughs> noise in the background. The baby, the uh, little plastic gate fell on top of him and he thinks that he is just oh. <laughs> stuck for life. Yo, get my baby, get my Amara. <laughs> <laughs> he is losing it. Okay. So what were your daily activities like, uh, in this three bedroom with a loft home with your own um, custom made hay, hay mattress and your sleepover with your cousins. <laughs> make, well, make sure you understand that it was not a three bedroom. It was right, a three, three room. room. Three yes. room. Yes, with yes. a loft. Or That's attic. right. It's not three bedrooms. <laughs> so, well, we would get up. Okay, now when I was five. Okay, let me let you get him, my no, baby. Ahead. Okay, when I, I came, went from, at five, I came to Baltimore, then I went back to North Carolina, there from the age 10 to the age 16. I can definitely tell you what my routine was for 10 to 16. Five, I don't quite remember. Okay. But, oh, but I do want to tell you this, though. I never crawled when I was a baby. I never crawled. Matter of fact, my parents really thought that something was wrong with me. Cause I would slide on my butt. Mm-hmm. I would, I would slide. But they they said that happened because I had uh, more personality to Mighty Joe Young, and mm-hmm. you know how he would take his arms and do. So they felt that because my mom went to the movies and she got scared by Mighty Joe Young. So I came out looking something like Mighty Joe Young. So they say they said my face was turned up, my chin was kind of up high, and then I was scooped everywhere I went. I never crawled. 
But what they did know, I had started walking. But I've always been an apt kid about getting other people to take <laughs> care of you. Yeah, so they, they, they had to carry me around because they said, oh, this, this poor girl, we don't know what's wrong, but she won't crawl. But they didn't know that I had started walking. Every time <laughs> I would get up and walk somewhere, I would just drop down on the floor, just flop down. And they would yeah, say, yeah, but see, I didn't have total adult reasoning because one time it had snowed outside and everybody was out at the woodshed and I wouldn't know what was going on. So I walked out until they saw me and I flopped down. Well, I forgot that if I had a really scared, they would have saw my trail. Right. So when my grandmother looked and says, how did she get out here? They said, she couldn't have slid out here because we don't see the trail. So they proceeded to spank my legs. Mm. And I got up and I ran back to the house. They said, oh, oh, that girl's been walking for a long time for her to be able to run like that. Surely I was walking. But why let them know when adults like to cater to babies? Right. I just needed that catering. I always need that attention. And then the other thing, I would not breast, she could not breastfeed me. I had to, they had to feed my, give me milk in a cup. I never would suck my mom's boobs. Okay. I really think as a kid, I thought they were ugly. And I didn't want them in my mouth, so I wouldn't touch them. So, Mama, so, tell yes. them about your daily activity. The question I have. Okay, now, daily activity. I would. Okay, my at six. Well, whenever the rooster was off, my grandfather fired. Now, mind you, I'm not the oldest one in the house. I got cousins older than me, brothers older than me. Adults older than me, but it was my responsibility to make the fire. So when she would say, May make the fire, I would come down out the law, um, and the, it would be very, very cold because, like I said, uh, the way our house was made, we had a lot of air intake. And I would make the fire, and everybody would get up and warm by the fire. Now, we, um, then we would start our day. My grandfather would say, What field we was going to work in today. We were not allowed to go to school unless the weather was in climate. If the weather was cold or rainy, we could go to school. If it wasn't, we had to do farm work because we were farmers. We were sharecroppers. We had to get that farming. So, so, um, so the, my day would start. We're missing. How, so that meant in a school year, how many days of school do you think you would miss? If there was like, say there's a hundred in, I don't know, 50. Only 166 days. I only went 66 days or less. That's I know that. 66 the highest ever went was 66. Yes. So I don't know how many, I never really knew how many days a school year had, but I know for a fact, I only went 66 days or less because the teacher said when she thought she was going to have to flunk me, she said, you only, you never get to school more than 66 days. Um, so uh-huh. I, I had to stay, but, and then after a certain age, you don't have to go to school. So that's the, I reached that age. That age was 15. 14 or 15, you no longer had to go. You could become what we all know as a dropout, yes. But then as as being a farmer's granddaughter, uh, my grandmother's, her her formula was she had a third grade education and she could sign her name. So when I got to the eighth grade, she said, there's no need for you to go any further because I I just went to the third grade and see how I can write my name. So she felt that, that was I it. had made really, yes, I had really went to college in her mind. I went to the eighth grade, but so, I love school what, as a kid. What, on the sunny days? Okay. They have mm-hmm. you on the sunny days when they would not let you go to school. What okay, did we would get, 
I would get up after I made the fire, the sun is up a little higher. Then the next thing you got to do is water the animals, milk the cow and feed the chickens and collect the eggs, get all that done. Um, probably by in, in an hour and then you, then you're ready for the go to the field and work. Well, you did get breakfast after you did the first um, stuff, then you would get breakfast. Then after breakfast, you would go to the field. Okay. And okay. And then you would work. You would chop if you had to chop the um, cucumbers, the corn, or the tobacco or the cotton. You would chop it, and then if you had to collect it, like pull tobacco. I think my grandmother thought I was a boy because I did all of the boy stuff. I would be out in the field with the guys pulling tobacco mm -hmm. and hanging stuff in the barn and all that. But your day progressed along based on what needed to be done. Mm -hmm. Now you you would pull tobacco all day because we had acres, so you had you, know, you go down a row, up a row, down a row, up a row, and mm -hmm. then at lunchtime would be around twelve thirty, one o'clock. Everybody ate lunch at the same time, so mm -hmm. it wasn't no staggering where you go from eleven to twelve and me from twelve to one. No, we all we would hear mother holler, "It's lunchtime!" It's real loud, and then we would all go um, home and eat, and then we would uh, we didn't get so much rest you know you eat fast so you can get some rest but an hour or whenever they finish eating especially when granddad was finished eating you go back to the field so mm. you always kept your eyes on him and ate fast because you know once he finished you don't get to stay at the table and lounge around and talk you mm -hmm. eat now and was then, your granddaddy okay. was your granddaddy meeting now for those of y'all didn't know so my mother's grandmother was alive while since I've been alive. She's deceased now. So I got to meet her. I got to know her. And Mullah was not somebody we called, we in our family called her Mullah, M-U-L-L-A, which is kind of yes. short for like mother. Uh, mm -hmm. um, why are you yelling? She is not somebody that That's most categorized her as nice. Uh, <laughs> 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 and I wouldn't, you know, I, I try to have some, Apparently, my son doesn't think my boobs are ugly. So um, she's not somebody <laughs> that I would have categorized as like the nicest of people. But how would you have categorized your grandfather? My grandfather was like of the two. He was the more one we thought was nice because he didn't really discipline us as much as Muller did. I don't think my grandfather, my, these are my father's parents, not my mom's parents. These are my dad's parents. So Mullah was more the um, disciplinary. She, she was the one that whooped us, and she was the one that made sure we did what she said or else. I think my grandfather may have hit me one time, and that's because I had knocked my sister down, and he was upset with me. Mm -hmm. But other than that, um, she was the one. He was kind. We always, he was only, I went there at 10. He died when I was 12. So only really? had two years so with him. she was a yes. widow. Oh, yes. What did he with die 16 from? kids. Well, we don't quite know. We just found him in the gutter down below near the, post, near the mailbox. Because on weekends, I'm going to tell you, one thing I loved about my grandfather, on the weekends, he would go, he could get drunk as a skunk. Mm. But on Monday morning, when that rooster crowed, he, he went to work every day. He never took a sick day. Mm -hmm. He never did. I don't know how drunk he got, but... One day he left on the week. It was a Friday. He left and went to, I guess, visit one of his drinking buddies. I don't know by foot because you know we didn't handle cars. And they, uh, he was walking back home, but they found him dead in the um, kind of the trenches or the gutters of the uh, highway. Oh man, how did Mullah take that? Like, how long did she grieve him? 
Well, well you know, when you're 12, how do you know how to, I don't know, how, I didn't know how to measure that. I know uh -huh. that she hollered real loud when somebody came and said, Miss Willie, we just found your husband down there in the gutter and he's dead. And she let out that yell. Mm -hmm. And um, then they, you know, brought the body to the house. So the house, the body was in the house with us until um, they got ready to bury him. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. What? We, <laughs> how long was that? Oh, for how long it took. No, was no, it like hours or was it a day? Like how oh, long days. was the body? No, it got to be days. People got to come see him. So they put the body in the front room. You remember I've got the two rooms, right? So in the first oh, room, God, the front room, no. there was a body. And then there was uh, uh, my grandmama's bed and my aunt's bed. And then we had chairs. We didn't use sofas. We just had chairs. Those um, chairs that they made. Because they made their furniture. So it was chairs. And somebody made the box would put them in. I don't even know if they embalmed him. Because I'm not sure if they did that back then. And I, had, I don't know when they started. And we probably couldn't afford it. No way. Oh, my so gosh. So they just brought him up to the house. So we didn't. <laughs> Joe. Joe Barr. Oh, yeah. Joe Barr. That's my daddy's. Uh, yeah, yeah, I didn't Joe realize Bar. that the, yeah. your dad was named after his dad. Yes. Yes. Um, so you were, so, so back to the house, because some, okay. some of them might not understand this. Was that you all's house or was it the, um, like, were you all on the property? This was the Jess's house. We were sharecroppers. And the way sharecropping work is that, and I don't know, my grandfather probably could have built that house for us, but mm -hmm. they were, we were on land owned by Mr. Jesse. So how that house got resurrected or put there is kind of, I, I can't really say that I know, but I can tell you what it looked like when I lived in it. But you can mm -hmm. tell they were not, you know, masons. It wasn't a brick house. Right. It was made of cedar logs. Yeah, they cut trees down and then they put, the floor was cedar wood. And um, we had to scrub, scrub those floors. They were cedar wood, but we, I scrubbed them with sand. You'd mm. be amazed how sand can get grease out of something. I believe it. But, um, now, explain what sharecropping is, just in case people don't okay. know what that is. Sharecropping in North Carolina was where Mr. Jester, who was a Caucasian white man, owned property. And farming was the trade back then. So what they would do is that they would give a family um, permission to live on their property and to farm the land and they would get portions of what they what they farm so mm -hmm. the vegetation we that all of that was ours that was our food so we could raise greens and cabbage and green beans potatoes sweet potatoes and that was what we fed the family was fed on as well as we had hogs cows chicken and we could we would catch squirrels and rabbits and fish all that that was the way we lived. But when you have crop, a crop, crop meaning cucumbers, we would have so many acres of that, that would be taken in and sold. And if we got a, made $100 off the crop, Mr. Jesse got 75 and we got 25. So then same thing with cotton and tobacco and corn. Anything that we raised that was considered a, uh, a I don't know, a grain or something that could be sold, then that's what he would make money off of that. So that was so um, it was a seventy five twenty five like, split. Did you hear me? Yes, we got a fourth. We you always got a fourth. Got yes, fourth. 75, yes. 25 seventy five. Y'all yes. did all of that yes. work. Yes, and Mr. Mm -hmm. Jesse got seventy five percent of the yes. Growth. Oh, ooh. 
Yes. Wow. And so that money that they got, that was, you know, you got a family of what, 18, 20 people in the house and there's nobody else working. And that's, that's it. You know, there was no uh, Popeye's or Wendy's or Hardest for any of us to work. And if it was, it was too far away. Right. You know, we, we lived all the way back. And the, only, the closest thing to us was the Gaston Lake. And that's where we would go fishing at. Mm-hmm. But you got to go fishing in between your crop needs. You cannot take away time from dealing with the crop because Mr. Jesse is looking to make some money. He'll come down and check and see how the crop is growing. Now he okay. did buy the seed. He paid for the, the seeds for the cucumbers. He paid okay. for the cotton that we planted. He paid for the tobacco that we got. He, he paid for those things. If mm-hmm. we didn't grow it for next year, then he would do that. So and, I'm looking at the comments. People are like modern day slavery. It truly, this was <laughs> the this was the new uh, form of legalized. Like it's the same thing, kind of like in the prison system, where yes, the prison will provide all of the supplies, but the prisoners do all of the work and they get paid um, pennies on it. So this was like this. You gotta understand. My mother grew up in the Jim Crow South. This is, and in the Jim Crow South, they were still trying to find ways to be as close to like slavery as possible, but still have it be legal. And that was one of the ways was, um, was, excuse me, was doing sharecropping where, you know, at the time there were not a lot of blacks that owned land because they came up out of slavery with nothing. So you had these good old white folk (laughs) that were like, oh, well, you can work on my land and we will split the profit. But the split was some type of terrible. My mother always tells the story of you used to pick cotton for how much? Three cents a pound. Three cent a pound. pound. What my mother picked cotton for. And y'all know how light cotton is. So they'll buy some cotton balls and see how much they have to buy to get three dollars to get to a pound. (laughs) No, to get a hundred. Okay, so I had to pick a hundred pounds of cotton to get three dollars. Right. I'm just. I'm just thinking. We. I don't even got to think that far. The fact that you had to get a pound. (laughs) Yes. Yes. So little. How much cotton do you have to pick to get to a pound? Like. (laughs) I'd have been peeing on that cotton. I've been like, we're going to get this weight up on this thing as quick as possible. My brother would put rocks in his, so it would weigh more. But he never, he's two years old, but he never picked 100 pounds of cotton. Now, I did. I've almost, I picked 200 pounds of cotton. I would have two bags. I put one bag across this side, because the way it works is you take a, 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 you make your cotton bag that you will put cotton in. It's a long bag, and you put, straps on it and you hook it across your body so you can drag it because it's going you wanted to drag mm-hmm. and then you put a one on the other bag so both bags can drag on the ground and then you, and you pick and i'm picking two rows i'm putting cotton in the bag as i go and uh-huh. it's hard to pick a cotton because we're not careful you snag the cotton and that means that you didn't pick it right you're supposed to get your hand inside of that bulb and get that cotton out without it snagging because the outer covering of a cotton is hard it's wood it's like it's hard and it will snag cotton, mm-hmm. just like if you take a cotton ball. So you have to, it, it's an art to picking cotton. It's not just going out there saying, oh, picking cotton. No, there is an art to it. And most, you could get punished if you left so much cotton, um, what do you call it, evidence on the bulb, because it means you snagged. You, you didn't get your hand all the way in there. You reached in and you pulled it out and it hit 
you pulled it out and it hit the wood part. So I had to go ahead. So you were doing that with your brothers. What were the girls doing? Because you said you, your grandmother must have thought you were a boy because she had you doing boy work. What were the girls doing? Oh, all my, all my, anybody over, I'm going to say 10 was out in the field working too. But that okay. expectation of them were not as high That's as high. it was on the older ones. Yes. Okay. Okay. I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. So um, you're there until a certain age. Yes. Okay. 16. So 16. What happens then? Okay. 16. While we were there and while we were, you know, going through the strain of living there, can I back up and say my grandmother had a total submission to Mr. Jesse being Lord and we being the people that should respect that. Mm -hmm. There were still colored water fountains where I lived at. And my grandmother always strictly made sure when you go tell them Willie Mae Hester Barsinch and make sure you say Mr. Jesse, Mr. George, you could not do the conversation we do now with one another. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we, we felt that after my grandfather died, I was there another whole four years. But in that four year time, it seemed like and my grandmother, who had to take care of all of us and make sure we didn't kill ourselves and all that stuff, she um, seemed to get more stricter and she didn't feed us enough. We didn't feel like we was getting enough food for all the work we was doing. We were stealing some of the canned stuff and trying to, well, because I count the jars for her. I would just tell her less than what it was so uh -huh. we could have something that we could open when we would bury the jar in the, somewhere back in the woods because mm -hmm. we didn't trust her. She'll find it. Right. So we would write our mother call our mother. She would call my mom in Baltimore. Um, my mom and dad were separated, divorced, and we would call and um, talk with her maybe once a month. Mr. Jesse would let us use his phone. So if I had to go up there for my grandmother, I would ask if I could use the phone and I would call my mother. And I was telling her that we was being mistreated. Mm -hmm. So four years later or sometime between before I turned 16 in June, November the 6th, 1966, is when my mother came down with her father and kidnapped us and took us to Baltimore. Now, did she have to kidnap y'all in the middle of the night or she just came down there and was like, Miss Willa, I'm taking my kids? She did not vocally say nothing to my grandmother. Mm. Did she came and said, oh, Mother, um, I'm going to take the kids up to the store and get them something. So mm. all of us piled in the car. Thank God it was no seatbelt law. Because it was seven kids and my grandfather and my mother. And your grandfather and your dad? No, my grandfather, Po Boy. Abner, oh, Mary okay. you gotta you gotta because okay. you don't know that you're introducing grandma's daddy. My Yes, my grand, my mother's father. Yes. Yeah, I was about to say, my mother's father. Came. Came by yes. Okay, but yes, yes. Okay. Oh Abner, yes. Abner Barr. Yeah, Abner Robinson. Yeah, Abner Robinson. 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 Excuse me, I didn't put every <laughs> last name. Yeah. Abner Robinson in yes. my grandmother, Dorothy, Dorothy Barr. Lee Barr, yes. Were, okay. So, yeah. so they came and they got, they put, so we went in the car. My grandmother was thinking we were going to the store. Mm -hmm. And my mom, come when she hit that paved road, she hit the Virginia state line fast and heavy. And we never, she never looked back. So um, somebody asked, why did she have to kidnap y'all if she's your mom? Like, why, why did she feel like Mullah had ownership to y'all because she had y'all for so long? 
I believe so. I, I don't know the dynamics, but I'm thinking that that's what she thought, that mother would not release us freely because we were the farmers. We were her. After my granddaddy died, the kids did the farm. So I don't know, but I would mm -hmm. assume that she didn't, she would meet resistance if she tried to say, well, I came to pick up my kids. Mm -hmm. So now, why, um, why did you all end up living there to begin with? Because we were, they, my parents was in Baltimore when they separated. And the only grandparent that would take all seven of us was my father's mother. My mother's mother was in, Bal was in Baltimore, but she would only take the older ones. She would not take any of the ones under, let's say, five. And grandma she, didn't think she could raise all of you all on her own? My mother? Yeah. My mother did. She just had gotten a job. And to have seven, find a place that will house seven kids and adult was out of her money making. She didn't mm -hmm. have the income. She didn't, she didn't have, have the income, income to do it. Yeah, and even with welfare at that time, which she was able to qualify for, it was not going to provide enough for her to be able to take care of seven kids. But then if she worked, who was going to babysit? Right. You know, I was a babysitter for the most part for the kids. Mm-hmm. Um, let's go back because there's a part of the profession that you have not mentioned yet that your grandmother okay. also participated in. Um, what, other than as being a sharecropper, what else did Miss Willie uh, May Hester Barr do? Oh, she was a corn. She, oh, we had, you know, the money she made from Mr. Jesse. And I just guess my grandma, I don't know. I, cause I didn't, I wasn't a the financial person, but she also was corn liquor. She sold corn liquor on the side and wine to make some extra dollars to put in her blouse. And so I was the one that, and I, you know, I think it back, I must've been an apt child. She probably had some in spiritual insight because instead of my older brother, two years older than me, or even my cousins who four years, six years, I was the one that would have to measure out the liquor for people when they came to buy half a pint or a pint or half a gallon. And I also was the one that would have to, when the, she got the corn liquor, I would be the one to take it back down in the woods and bury it. Cause you know, the moonshining was illegal. Mm -hmm. So she's as a moonshine, mm -hmm. yeah, she's a bootlegger by, by all means. And they, I used to hear the people say, Miss Willie, you have some good corn liquor. I don't understand what that meant. Cause all of it burned to me. Mm -hmm. We used to try to drink it, but she was definitely a, a bootlegger and I was her um, operational manager, I guess. <laughs> I'm the one that tricks that would fix the half a pints and stuff and um, bring it out for her to sell and they would give her the money. Mm -hmm. I, I made a mistake one time though and I got a, a real whooping for it because I, I thought the vinegar bottle on the counter was, had corn liquor in it. I didn't realize that it was real vinegar, but it wasn't quite a half a pint. So mm -hmm. I put some more corn liquor in it and we would keep like maybe a bottle or two in the house. We would not keep, keep a lot because you never know when the police want to raid the house. So I would keep, so I kept that bottle there waiting for whoever would come and buy it. And so enough, somebody bought it. But when they took a drink, and it's always proper when you're buying corn liquor to sample it in front of the people, you know, sample it and offer them some. Mm -hmm. Come on, Miss Willie, have a drink with me. So when the man proceeded to drink the corn liquor mixed with vinegar, it did not go well for me. Oh, oh, oh. I, but no. but it, it's, it was white. White is white. I, I just was a child. I just didn't. Even, I don't know. Right, you didn't, didn't know. know. You didn't know. How were you supposed nope. to know? So she made corn liquor and wine? She didn't make it. No, she made wine. 
She made oh. homemade wine, but corn liquor, she would go to the bootlegger bootlegger and oh. get gallon, the gallon jar. You know the gallon corn She would jar? go to her connect and get it Connection, in bulk. Connection, yeah, and get about six or ten jars and bring it there. Then my job was to get any whiskey bottles I found or any any bottle like a vinegar bottle, any bottles that you have and just use those, rinse them out real good, wash them, you know, and um, use them for the put measure corn liquor in. Corn liquor is just liquor made from corn. Is that what it's called, corn liquor for? Well, it's made, they're supposed to go through a, a, the engine of a car, corn and the engine of a car or something. I really don't know how mm-hmm. it's made, but I do know those two things are used. Mm-hmm. And how they get it to be as potent as it is, I have no idea. Mm. Mm-mm-mm. moonshine okay <laughs> so let's get them get, getting you to baltimore we'll have to do this as a part one and a part two because oh, i think people are be absolutely loving it so we'll have you do part two next week but let's get you to baltimore so grandma you said that y'all had told an aunt that how did how did grandma know to come get y'all meaning my grandmother how did she know your mother well to come? how did how did my mom know to come get y'all at us. Mm-hmm. yeah we were we were called and we also would write and tell her that grandma was not treating us right it was myself and my youngest brother we were the ones that were kind of the black sheep of the family mm-hmm. we were the ones that had to do the most work had to be denied a lot of stuff because i look so much like my mother and this mm-hmm. is my father's mother and so my grandmother did not like me mm-hmm I mean, her action towards me made me feel like I was no good and nothing. And those are her exact words. Mm-hmm. And then my brother, youngest brother, she didn't believe that was my daddy's son. So he ate, he didn't, which he was not allowed to eat at a table with us. He had to eat at a separate place. And I was allowed to eat at the table, but I was always the one that was lashed out at. Mm-hmm. So all of this kept going for so long. So we kind of started telling mom. And so that's why she was inspired to come down and get us. Okay. Okay. And so she did. He ate in the hot box, right? Is that what it was called? He ate, he ate on the hot box, the meat on box. The there box. was a box where we would keep meat because we had the house that we cured the meat outside, but there was another box where we would like cut a piece of, big piece of bacon. We'll store it. That's when we have to go out and get it for breakfast when she mm-hmm. was doing the bacon and the sausage. So Dorothy Lebar, she comes out there <laughs> yes. with Abner Robinson. They uh, come and they, they kidnap y'all to Baltimore. And it had been, what, uh, how many years since you had been in Baltimore? Six? Yes, I was 16. Yes, I left when I was 10 and I came back so when I was 16. Get to Baltimore. What is the feeling to be out of North Carolina and to be in Maryland, back in, uh, back in Maryland again? What is the feeling? For you? I cried. I wanted to go back to North Carolina. I did not like city. I'm used to country. I'm not used to city. And I didn't like it. Um, I I really wanted mom to come and get the younger siblings. I did not want her to come and get me. Oh, you were I like, I can take stay. it. I can take it. Yes. I, come I, the I, yes. Yes. That's what I really wanted. But they weren't going to leave without May. But May did not want to come. So I didn't like Baltimore. I didn't like leaving North Carolina at all. And it was very difficult for me to adjust. What was it? What was it? Did you think it was too fast? Too many people? People would not like, what, what, or do you just didn't know what to yes. do with yourself? No, pe- people, um, I had too much freedom. I could do a lot of stuff, wear certain clothes because in North Carolina, that was not the dress style for me. 
but also the people were mean. They weren't as friendly as I'm used to country people. You know, everybody know you. Hey, mate, here, don't nobody know you. And you say hi, people won't speak or didn't speak. Girls mm-hmm. looking you up and down like they could kill you versus anything else. I did not, I didn't know what to relate that to because I had not no understanding that people could just look at you and not like you. Mm-hmm. And they could hurt you because mm-hmm. they didn't like you. And I, I was not accustomed to that at all. And then I'd heard about city living, how people would kill you on the spot, and I was scared. And it was just a lot for a stone country girl to come and accept at 16 because it was a culture shock. I'm mm-hmm. like, how, how, where do you fit? How do you fit? Yeah. So, and going to school was rough. I mean, that I, the year I was there, because I came, I was in my 11th, I was in 11th grade, mm-hmm. and they killed a boy killed the boy over a seat in a class. He got beat to death right there in class because this guy said he was sitting in his seat. The teacher didn't stop him. Nobody stopped him as he beat that boy who died on his way to the hospital. Well, mm. the way it, it, I, the doctors told my mom said she's going to have a nervous breakdown because I was very, I just didn't know what to do. A couple girls in the, cl- in the cafeteria, I was eating my food, minding my business, and they were looking at me. Now, you know how you look at people? What you looking at? No, no, he says, what you looking at? shit and i said shit's looking at shit but <laughs> it, it came out of some place that i i think my re, my response was i'm like who said that to myself because <laughs> i i mean i got petrified after i said it but it just came out spontaneously <laughs> without me having any say <laughs> but it made them leave me alone. They went on. They figured, well, oh, wait, man. it was three of them and one of me. Yeah, it was three <laughs> of them and one of me. But I think it was fear. I think fear spoke up for me. That's what that was. So, you know, but that's why I say people, self-preservation will cause stuff to come out of you <laughs> that you don't even know that's in there. But it sure came out. But they didn't bother me. Oh my god. And I probably look like a lumberjack anyway, you know. <laughs> I look like I could pick up the table. Uh, well, I but think I, I just oof. I think this is a perfect <laughs> stopping point for this uh episode of Mommy Confessions. Mama, thank you so much for sharing <laughs> Just the first 16 years of life, I know there were so many tidbits that we didn't uh, put in uh, or talk about, but, you know, I do feel like that uh, this is such a um, amazing, fascinating story. I think a lot of us don't even realize, like, people, you know, when we think of things that even look like slavery, uh, anything that looks like... um, injustice of black people i think sometimes we put it so far away from where we are right now and oh, don't realize yes. there are people still walking the planet in their right mind healthy that experience the repercussions of what this country uh was like not too long ago so, yes uh, Amen. I, I always find it fascinating uh we still, and I'm glad we're finally doing this because you remember we started this interview process a long time ago. Yes, and we need to do this book. We need yeah, to do this. No, we that, need that to write. It's, a, it's, it's a, um, screen, um, a screenplay. It's a film. Yes, it should be a film. It really yes. should. Yes. Oh, I plan on writing it. So I'm glad I'm finally getting to do the full interview and it's being recorded and um, I can see the pieces and uh, I'm so glad that you all can go along on the journey. I just want to give another shout out 
to all of my Patreon people that are watching this. Yes. Uh, 20 of you all who are getting to watch early and live and they're able to actually help them. I'm actually watching comments and questions come in. So that's actually helping me come up with questions. So, um, and sorry if there's any internet. That's delay. good. <clears throat> but uh, yes, so we will come back next week with a part two. Okay. Um, okay. And uh, I still have a special guest planned, Miss um, Tabitha Brown, but I'll record hers and hers will go up the week after this. So okay. uh, the week after part two is what I should say. So again, if you are listening or watching Mommy Confessions, please like, follow, and share. Review us if you're listening to it because it makes the podcast more discoverable. And um, if you're watching it, whether it be on Facebook or YouTube, make sure you are following uh, Mommy Confessions or following That Chick Angel TV so that you can be notified when the next episode drops. Also, <laughs> If you want to be able to watch this live and be a part of the recording of this, being able to ask the questions that you really want to have answered, you need to be a member of my Patreon, which is at www.patreon.com forward slash that chick angel. It is only $5 a month, which is just 16 cents a day. I mean, it's so inexpensive, guys. I mean, granted, picking cotton for three cent a pound is <laughs> way, <laughs> if you're going off of that, oh, if that's God. your job, then yeah, 16 cent a day is a lot. I, I get it. But uh, being that it's 2020, <laughs> 16 cent a day is not a lot for most people. So yes, feel free to join the Patreon. Mom, again, we thank you so much for being so I love you. parent. Um, and uh, yeah, you all catch us next Thursday for another episode of Mommy Confessions. Bye! Bye.